Good morning, friends. Thanks for being with us. Uh, my name is Dave. I'm the lead pastor at Cedar Mill Bible Church. And this morning, we're going to take a break from our series that we've been in in the book of Daniel to talk about something that our world is talking about right now, and that's the subject of, of racism. And today, we're going to be chatting with some friends of mine about what it means to be the church in this moment, what it means to be a follower of Jesus, how we should think, what we should feel, just wrestling with all the things that our, our world is wrestling with. And so uh, this is a really special group of people to me. Um, my friend Ashley Bell, who's our outreach pastor, um, my good friend Paul Richter, who's our executive pastor, and, and my good friend Donnie Brown, who's a leader in our church. And this is a special group for me because we actually gathered together um, before uh, this whole incident with George Floyd erupted. We were together in a group um, put together by a woman and in our church named Cookie Wall. Cookie and Bob Wall had us in their home to talk about what does it look like for the church to tackle this issue of racism. And so this is a conversation we've been in for a while together, and we're continuing it. And this morning, we really want to invite you to just join the conversation with us. And so as we get us to get started, I want to uh, open the scriptures and read a passage. There's so many passages that we all want to read today. Um, we'll get to some of them, not all of them. But the one I felt the Lord led me to begin with is this one from Ephesians 4. And I like this passage because in the book of Ephesians, Paul makes a shift right here in chapter 4. For the first half of the book, he's talking about the gospel, the core of the gospel, this idea that we have been saved by grace through faith, that we've been reconciled to God and made right with our heavenly Father by the grace of God, by the work of Jesus on the cross. And then in chapter 4, he begins to say that this gospel, this reality, this new right relationship we have been given with God changes our lives. And it really changes everything about us. And Paul talks about this all throughout the New Testament. Um, he says here, As a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. In other words, the gospel now sends us out with this calling to be these changed, new, transformed people to work for God's will in the world. And then he says this, Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And what he speaks here of is how there are things in this world that are going to attempt to pull us apart and divide us, specifically in the body of Christ. And Paul is saying, as you walk as followers of Jesus into this world, like fight for unity. It's not always going to be easy, but fight for unity. And he gives us a couple things that I think are really important for us that lead to unity. First of all, he says, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient bearing with one another. And I, and I want to encourage us, I know all of us at this table are walking in with that, that posture, that heart. And so I, I invite you to walk into this conversation, this hard, difficult conversation with humility, with patience. And then he says um, that we would bear with one another in love. And I've been thinking a lot about love this week, how hard love is. Love in the world is this easy to grab a hold of, emotional feeling, but love in the scriptures is tough. When you read 1 Corinthians, right, there's this call to love. And we know that love brings unity and peace and togetherness, but it's a hard calling. And so I, I invite you again to walk into this conversation with a posture of humility and patience and love, because that's how we're walking in. And so maybe we'll just get started like with that. Uh, 
how are you walking into the conversation? What are you choosing scripturally, biblically to walk in with as a posture? And then how would you hope that uh, the people of the world and specifically our church would walk in to this dialogue? Yeah, I know, I know for me, one thing that's been really pivotal at this time is just realizing the importance of the church. Um, realizing that God has put us on this planet to be unified mm. and to be one body and to model his unity on the earth. And what a great testimony that is. And the sinister thing about racism is that it really seeks to sever that unity. Um, and unity for me is not, it, it's not uniformity. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's that we all get to bring our unique selves, how God created us, whether that's black, white, Asian, Hispanic, whatever that is, God created us with intentionality mm-hmm. and we get to bring that to the body and God unifies that as we bring our own uniqueness so that we can be one body. And so mm-hmm. my, my hope for the church is that we would address this issue head on, not being afraid to engage with culture, not being afraid to engage with the topic of racism as the church has neglected for decades before, but really speaking into it and being change agents Mm -hmm. in that culture. Mm -hmm. And that requires us to be humble. It requires us to be patient. It requires us to love one another and Mm -hmm. and love moving past just a simple feeling, but love moving towards solidarity. Mm -hmm. And, And solidarity is that wholehearted commitment to one another. Mm-hmm. No matter how how mad you may make me, um, I choose to love you and stand with you, Donnie, stand with you, Paul, stand with you, Dave, mm-hmm. as we move forward in this conversation on racism. Mm-hmm. It's not always an easy conversation. No, it I mean, will never be. You have to fight. I mean, it sounds yeah. so good to say those words and you have to fight for that. And we've, I mean, we've had to fight for that at yes. times, like yeah. to understand each other and hear each other's hearts and just, yeah. hey, we're committed to each other. So yeah. that's, that's hard. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, consider the fight aspect and I think a lot of times especially in our culture now where when we fight it's literally fighting against one another Mm -hmm. rather than fighting with each other for a common purpose a common cause which as followers of Christ that's what we're called to do Mm -hmm. you know we are to fight with each other fight the good fight for the welfare of the entire body and as you already stated, you know, the entire body, that's every shade of soul that is the tapestry of human race that God painted. And it's a beautiful palette, mm-hmm. but we're, we're so in a state right now where we're fighting against each other rather than fighting for each other. Mm-hmm. And that's my hope, you know, that as we continue this conversation, um, individually, as a church, as a, a country, that will begin to be a united states that's ultimately united under the banner of Christ for the church, especially, you know, becoming one rather than separated as we are on so many different planes, black, white, denominational, you know, and really kind of fighting against each other in some ways rather than fighting for each other. Yeah, I actually, I loved um, something you said about as as we walk into this discussion and the spiritual implications 
of the enemy's attempt to disunify us mm -hmm. and the need for us to be a people of, of prayer in this moment um, to not look over that as well that's just prayer but like really give ourselves to prayer and coming before our king and um, opposing the spiritual forces that would seek to divide mm -hmm. and the evil of racism part of its insidious nature as you said is that the enemy has used it to divide Christ's body and to, mm -hmm. and to mar Christ's reflection in this world so mm -hmm. yeah yeah and I, and I think about the body of Christ being this place where uh, it's talked about in Colossians 3 and Galatians 3 where Paul you know at, lists out all these various people different different ethnic groups that previous to Christ were divided but now in the church we're united that we're united by something great mm -hmm. um, and I that's just central I think to our conversation yeah and I think uh, as as you look at Ephesians right and you, you read Ephesians and chapters 2 through 4 you see a picture of the body of Christ growing in maturity right mm -hmm. and that's I think that's two parts I think that's uh, a corporate unity in the gospel in Jesus and a multi-ethnic interconnectedness mm -hmm. and without that we're not mature so in some sense the church at least the evangelical church in the United States is, is still quite immature mm -hmm. from a biblical perspective right so uh, pushing towards that unity but also pushing towards maturity mm -hmm. and I think the text tells us that that maturity comes through speaking truth mm -hmm. in love okay. and um, and again I would just want to say right out right out of the gate all of you at this table have spoken truth and love mm -hmm. to me um, so I yeah. think Back to the original question, how do we come in mm -hmm. to this conversation desiring to mm -hmm. speak in truth and love and listen with humility of posture mm -hmm. humility? Yeah. yeah, I think that's one of the key elements also, just the listening in humility. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of noise going around right now, and it's easy to get caught up in the barrage of audio nonsense. Mm -hmm. And... Um, I think to really listen with empathy, um, be willing to hear what others are really saying, um, and not go in with a already preconceived notion of how you think the conversation is going to go, but just be available to listen. Hear my experience for the reality of what I deal with in life. It's going to be different for every single person, but being willing and um, able to hear your story, hear my story, mm -hmm. and see how that weaves into the fabric of the gospel mm -hmm. and the unity of the people of Christ, it then gives us a, a deeper appreciation for the struggles that we each deal with mm -hmm. and the injustices that we all struggle with right. in life because to some extent you know there are injustices in every person's life racism in our country is just the tip of the spear for something that is a broader depth of the reality of the depravity and brokenness and pain of life living in a fallen and sinful world i think sometimes we forget that and we just get absorbed in our own story and i don't want to hear what you have to say the pains that you have to deal with in your life and that makes me less of a person it, it, 
it diminishes my capacity to love. Mm -hmm. It diminishes my capacity to be an advocate, a partner mm -hmm. with others who are struggling mm -hmm. in life. Mm -hmm. and, and there's a book called um, Democracy in Black by Dr. Eddie Glaude, and he, he goes through these seven racial habits, and one of the seven racial habits, which hits on what you were saying, Donnie, is called incarnational listening. Mm -hmm. And incarnational mm -hmm. listening is this place where we don't enter into conversations or relationships with one another to argue our points right. or to right. convert someone, but we enter in trying to listen and hear their story, right. to empathize, to raise our level of self-awareness and social awareness. Because if we don't know what's going on in someone else's life, how can we know how to engage? How do we know how to sit in their pain? How do we know how to stand in solidarity? How do we even know how to lament what's happening um, and, and that, that lament mm. is what's going to move us mm -hmm. to actually bring change, mm -hmm. um, systemic change for the mm -hmm. long haul. Mm -hmm. right. And I think one of the things mm -hmm. that I've appreciated in, in this moment, and, and it's happened prior to this moment, but in this moment it seems to just really be so essential, is I feel like the Lord has, has called me personally, but also I think white Christians to just stop and to listen to the stories of our black brothers and sisters and to really try to enter into that. And, and, and that's been so hell hard, mm -hmm. but also helpful for me. Like the mm -hmm. two of you specifically mm -hmm. have blessed me. And I, and I, I would love to just ask mm -hmm. that you would share a little bit about how this time has felt. Like walk us through your experience of these last weeks. Cause, and I know it didn't start these last weeks. It started way back. And so that this experience goes back, but, but what has it been like? How has it felt to you? Help, help us mm -hmm. enter your story a little bit. Is that a fair question? Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> go for it, Donnie. Be a gentleman, Donnie. Let Ashley go first. <laughs> I was going to try to, but yeah. No. Um, you know, for me there, it, it's been a two-sided sword. There's been, um, initially, it, w it was frustration, um, just because for me, it, this starting with you know seeing what transpired on the video with George Floyd, um, it was so disheartening, but so frustrating because for me, this it's another day in the life mm -hmm. of my world of being a man of color and having to have the concern of some people within the law protection forces put me or other people of my shade of soul in, in this predicament. It's, it's nothing new. Mm -hmm. um, we look at the last 10 years, every year, just about there is a situation similar to this where a man of color, his life is taken by a person who is supposed to serve and protect. The black community is outraged, does what it does in its hurtness, um, riots, protests, um, and then we go back to normal everyday life, mm -hmm. right? Um, so there was a lot of frustration. Um, as we've progressed over the last couple of weeks, there's been more hope. Mm 
Um, just seeing some of the conversations that have begun to take place amidst all the chaos and um, the lies that the media would have us to take hold of to keep that separation growing deeper and deeper. Again, really listen and look at what's taking place. There is some great conversations that are taking place. Um, and, and that's hopeful. Um, my, I'm hopeful that the church will gain her voice um, and be an advocate for injustice that she's called to be in scriptures. Uh, keep coming back to Micah 6, 8. Mm -hmm. You know, you no know, man what the Lord requires of you. Mm -hmm. Do justice. Mm -hmm love, mercy, and walk humbly with your God. Mm -hmm. and, and that's my hope, mm -hmm. you know, that the, the church begins to actually do justice. Um, whatever that looks like, everybody is going to have a different mm -hmm. gifting and call for this particular area in life. But I'm confident that as we pray, as we converse, that the spirit is going to move and the church will begin to take up that mantle that she's supposed to. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah, that's really good. Yeah, I think I think for me, um, gosh, I I went through so many emotions mm -hmm. the last few weeks, um, the last few months, um, because honestly, you know, this wasn't George Floyd wasn't the first black man um, that, that was killed over the last few months and few weeks. Um, he was he was um, a black man who was killed and it was filmed and it was excruciating because mm -hmm. we actually saw a murder take place right, right. on camera. Um, and it took me a, a long time to even be able to watch it, to mm -hmm. be quite honest, because I, I knew what was happening. Um, and I didn't want to see mm -hmm. that, but I felt like that I had to see it. And it was devastating to me, um, along with the deaths of Breonna Taylor, you know, who was shot in her home, and Ahmaud Arbery, you know. Um, within the last few weeks, mm -hmm. those things have happened. And so after seeing that, I think I reached a place where I was deeply grieved. I was deeply grieved. Um, more so than I've ever been, there was just this weightiness and this heaviness or this dark cloud of sadness that was over me and, and great disappointment um, in the church, mm -hmm. in the church for not actually recognizing the problem and speaking out on it mm -hmm. before now. Mm -hmm. Um, and so then, then came anger, right? And so then you're praying like, Lord, please don't make me bitter. Please don't make me bitter. Mm -hmm. um, I, I don't, um, I don't want to bring that into these conversations mm -hmm. because with bitterness, mm -hmm. nothing productive mm -hmm. ever happens. Mm -hmm. um, but, but I'm grateful because during the course of that time, I think in my conversations with you, Dave, and with you, Paul, um, there hasn't been a day that I think has gone by that I haven't talked to you all, um, which has been, uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, but, but I'm, but I'm grateful because in that, you know, we've sorted through some things and we've had some good conversations yeah. and I, I think God used that to, to give me hope, um, through some of the things that you were wrestling with and we were wrestling with together. So at, at this point I feel, yes, I, 
I'm still grieved because mm-hmm. there is work to be done. Mm-hmm. There's work for the church to do and not just Cedar Mill Bible Church mm-hmm. to do, but I mean the, the church, church. Right. locally mm-hmm. and globally. Th- this is a moment that I feel like a divine moment, mm-hmm. a divine moment that mm-hmm. God has given us to really work on some things that we've been neglecting for a long time. And, and I, I say neglecting because I do think it's intentional neglect. And that's a whole nother conversation when we, when we get into, you know, just the idolatry of the church, how we idolize the nation, how we idolize, you know, great history and, and don't acknowledge bad moments. Right. Um, there's, there's just a lot of things that we need to wake up to and mm. bring into our reality so that the gospel can come forth. And so right now I am passionate for the church. I think it disappoints mm. me so much because I love it. Mm. And and I know that there is an expectation that God has for his body and we are not living up to that expectation mm. to be fruitful and to multiply mm. in all the earth, to reflect his image a- accurately and to be kingdom the kingdom come here and now mm-hmm. in Portland. Yeah, and, and I, I like what you said about how I think Pastor Carl Palmer talked about this a while back, how we sometimes make nationalism an idol, mm-hmm. and that can veer us away from being like fully worshiping mm-hmm. Jesus. But you said something about our nation um, in a in a seminar you were doing online mm-hmm. that really I loved the quote, I, and I hope you'll remember it. And yeah. Maybe you have it there. It's it. about how great our nation is and how bad we are at the same time, how the, we can have we can hold all of it together. So uh, can you share that? Yeah, uh, and, and the quote that Dave is referring to is, um, it's by James Baldwin, who is an African-American author and activist. And he said this, American history is longer, larger, more various, more beautiful, and more terrible mm. than anything anyone has ever said about it. Mm. Um, yeah, and, and what we do when we don't acknowledge the bad along with the good, right. I think we tend to um, we tend to forget. We tend to forget, and we think that we are we are in some way perfect or better than. Um, and in this case, it it has been white culture has been better than, mm. um, or whiteness has been better than. When that's not actually what what God intends to mm. be true, and so the Bible often calls us to remember. Remember, mm. don't necessarily dwell because right. it also says, remember not the former right. things right. because right. I'm doing something new, but you remember so that you can have a platform to say, this is where I was and right. this is what God has delivered us from. And I think when we remember our racist past and our nation, mm-hmm. when we remember that and we grieve that and we lament that and we confess that and we repent that, we're able to move forward to the new thing, to be a more fruitful mm-hmm. church. Mm-hmm. And as Christians, that's our call, right? Yes. I mean, yeah. Jesus says, share this meal when you're together to remember, and, and there's so much in that remember. It's remember mm-hmm. how lost, how broken, how depraved you were, and how you were saved. Mm-hmm. We have to remember that in order to move forward. That's huge. Mm-hmm. And, and I think one of the things, Paul, you've talked about this, um, mm-hmm. the church should be the place where Maybe it's easy for easiest for us to say, we've been wrong, we blew it, we haven't been great. I mean, that's 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 our story, and I think that's and I think so many people in our world are defensive and drawing lines, and yet we as Christians, we don't have to fall into that because we we come from a place of saying, 
Yeah, I'm. Where we should be really good at confessing our sin and receiving grace and forgiveness, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, well, and again, I think even just the piece of incarnational listening, and, and and actually that quote touched on it. But it's how one, how can we fix things if we don't understand how they got broken in right. the first place, right? So us being able to listen, listen, and not to move away because we're addicted to our comfort and the stories are too painful, but to mm-hmm. sit and hold the pain mm-hmm. as brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, and to take on the full weight of what that is and bring it before our king. Um, but if we really love our nation, mm-hmm. right, denying its re- the reality of its condition or its story doesn't improve our nation. It's not really loving to our nation at all. So to separate, to bifurcate the church and our, our nation, like if we really love the USA, like we want to see the USA mm-hmm. uh, healed. We want to see it grow. Um, and denying its history and its reality prevents that, right. impedes yeah. that. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and, and maybe before we just move on from that, as we talk about remembering, mm-hmm. and what, what, do you, what do you want to say, maybe specifically to, to white people, to white Christians? Remem- don't forget this. Remember this with us because we remember it as, as African Americans. Mm-hmm. Um, I, again, we move pretty quickly. Like, remember, but it's hard. Acknowledging sin is hard. Looking at brokenness is hard. None of us like that. I mean, it's not fun, but it is part of what we're called to do. So, is there, before we move past that piece, is there anything specific? I, I'm just mindful in that vein of just the context of prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, um, Second Chronicles seven fifteen. People who are called by my name, humble themselves and pray, confess their sin. I will heal heal, heal their land. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it's important, especially for white Christians, to begin entering into this process by praying to our God to seek His face, to gain His wisdom, to gain the guidance of the Spirit put them in a posture where they can receive and sit in, in that place, that difficult place mm-hmm. to be able to hear our, our pain, the pain, not just now, but the pain, the pain of the history mm-hmm. that we've experienced. Because in our flesh, we're, we're going to turn away. Mm-hmm. We're going to cringe. We're going to, no, I, I can't deal with this. But it, it's only mm-hmm. through the, the guidance of the spirit and being immersed in the presence of God that we can sit and, and hear and deal the difficult things. Mm-hmm. It, it's what he does in our personal relationship exactly. with him. Exactly. Yeah. You know, when, when we sit in a, in a posture of prayer with him, confessing our sin, the spirit convicts us, mm-hmm. breaks our heart, mm-hmm. and brings us to that place where we can go to the cross of Christ and Father, forgive me. Mm-hmm. And he's like, okay. I, I, I do, mm-hmm. I have. Now that you understand who and how you are, allow me to move in you and we can move toward a place of sanctification, mm-hmm. being made whole and righteous and perfect. Again. Well, we're, we're righteous and we have his righteousness, but our process of moving mm-hmm. from our broken state to a, a place of wholeness, mm-hmm. you know, that, that all begins with that conversation with him and the willing to invite him in to do the hard work mm-hmm. that has to be done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I think well, well said, Donnie. I, I think part of it too is not being, not being uh, afraid to remember. I think sometimes we get at this point, and it takes humility, as as we're talking about in Ephesians. It takes us to this point of like, gosh, if I if I remember that, it's just going to be too hard. I'm just going to have to admit some things. I'm going to have to own up to some things about my country, maybe about my personal life, have how I've perpetuated injustice, maybe how my family has perpetuated injustice. And I'm going to have to really sit down and think through some things. And that gets really hard. It gets really personal. And what I want to remind people, particularly um, my white brothers and sisters, is that it doesn't discount your value. It doesn't discount your value. To to admit and own that doesn't mean you're any less valuable or you're any less lovable. You have to be able to remember in order to move forward. And God wants us to move forward. He wants us to repent of things that we've done. All of us, each one of us, sin daily. We have things in our history. We have things in our past where we've been sinned against and we've sinned against others. And we have to acknowledge it in order to move forward. And so I, I just I just want I want everyone to remember that that acknowledging that doesn't place any more or less value on your life. Yeah, we just I mean I in the whole picture of lament mm-hmm. is profoundly biblical yeah. and I think it's lost in our American culture yes. that skill and God gives that to us we see it in his word we see it in the psalmist yes. for our spiritual growth for our edification for our unity so I think uh, second your words just like being willing to press into those places um, where we do need to remember yeah. and it's hard yeah um, but he is faithful and just yeah. to forgive us all in righteousness right. and right. Um, provides us yeah. uh, a place and a means to come to him. There, yeah. There's power in it. Yeah. In yeah. And one thing I think that's that's being lost right now, and it's something I've had to come back to and remember because I, I think this way a lot, uh, is that often in the scriptures, over and over and over again, it's not confess or repent or lament individually. It's as a people. It's like... Our people have done this. And, and I think one of the things our people are asking, and again, we're going to get down to it now, mm-hmm. is you're saying confess, you're saying lament, you're saying remember, but I didn't do it. Mm-hmm. I didn't do that. I, didn't, I wasn't the one with my knee on George Floyd's neck. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I, a lot of us have had to wrestle through that. Yeah. And so may, may, let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, know, I know all three of you have some yeah. thoughts yeah. on that, um, some biblical thoughts. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about yeah. that. Go ahead, Paul. No, I think just I'd like to speak to my white brothers and yeah, sisters yeah. as a white brother. Um, I think we see we see in Scripture God's heart or how systemic injustice grieves Him, mm-hmm. right? And all we have to do is look at the statistics in our country in regards to people of color, and it's undeniable. The you can trace the very old you know c a plus b equals c if we have c we know what a and b are and it's injustice right so we in our culture the systemic injustice it grieves god and we see it all throughout scripture whether it be at the beginning of exodus where he's abhorred by the injustice the systemic injustice of egypt oppressing his people to the second half of exodus where he is um 
trying to teach his people to be a different people, set right. apart from him, right. that um, press into systemic justice. And I think that's where we see the significance of the law. I mean, that was God's intent of the law, so that they would be a just society. So I would say to my white brothers and sisters questioning systemic injustice or God's um, anger and uh, how it grieves his heart. It's, it does grieve his heart, and it is real. I think then the question comes, and it's one I've, I've heard um, a lot in conversations, which is like, I didn't put my knee on, I didn't ask for slavery, I didn't, um, and I think we need, to, we need to bifurcate or separate the American mindset of individualism and the biblical right. picture, which is individual sin is pretty intertwined with um, corporate sin, right? Mm-hmm. And we see, um, we see that throughout Scripture. I think we're in the book of Daniel right now studying, and I'm looking at Daniel 9. And Daniel couldn't be a man of higher character, right? right? right. But yet he is repenting for his people, for their sins. Um, and I think most importantly... And not like them over there. Like He, he sees himself as... as Oh yeah, as part of it, we have to be. On some level, we have to identify with um, with our people. Uh, The biblical picture is we are connected to our people, and so I think the the other picture we have is actually Christ Himself, right? Mm -hmm. Who who suffered, took upon the sins of His people, right? Um, right. on their behalf and didn't separate himself from them. So we talk about being a reflection of Jesus mm-hmm. in this moment. So, And again, that is to set aside all the other ways where um, our silence mm-hmm. grieves God, mm-hmm. our fear to listen and to mm-hmm. be confronted with our history grieves God. When we participate in a system that's unjust mm-hmm. and we benefit from it, but we're silent as we see others oppressed, that's not righteous. Mm-hmm. That's sin, mm-hmm. and we got to own that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say to that, like as you were as you were talking, Paul, I kept thinking to to answer your 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 question as Paul so beautifully did, and I agree with everything you said. Was you know, no, it it wasn't any of our knees that were on George Floyd's neck, just like. We didn't eat that apple in the garden either, <laughs> right. you know. But it's like right. the the consequences of sin. We live with it. Mm. We we bear it, and the consequence of the sin of racism has been heavily upon people like me and Donnie, black and brown brothers and sisters. And so, to that, I would say, no, you did not do it. But you cannot perpetuate the consequence of of that sin. And when you think about the prophets who all practiced lament for their people and repentance on behalf of their people, I mean that's that's what you say. I I think about Nehemiah, who you know he spent three days lamenting and ripping his clothes off and repenting on behalf of his people. And it wasn't until after he lamented that he was able to rise up and actually tell the king mm-hmm. what was wrong yeah, and right. make a request, yeah, make a request. Right. And the mm-hmm. king honored that request mm-hmm. and he went to go right. be with the people to rebuild mm-hmm. the city, to rebuild mm-hmm. the wall, doing right. it together. And constantly throughout the book of Nehemiah, it is about him reminding them, here's where you came from. Let me remind you how to worship. Let me remind you of the law. You stepped away from that. Let's repent together. Let's worship together. We're in this together. And so that is just to go back Mm -hmm. to what you said, Paul. Yeah, As the body, 
if you are if you haven't reached the point yet to where you're now grieving for yourself mm. I think that's problematic because mm. you can grieve for me you can grieve for the black community but are you grieving so much so that you're like oh this is my pain too Mm. This is my pain too. This is my body is hurt. And because part of my body is hurt, I am no longer able to function mm. as Christ intended. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, because it's, that's not just a black man. That's a human being. Yeah, right? and that's my brother. Right. right. Yeah, we are yeah. together, yeah. right? Yeah. And I just, I, I, as you're talking, I'm thinking about Isaiah 58. Mm. I mean, how... And the indictment of Isaiah 58 is, you come to worship me and you're passionate about worship. And actually the title of that is true fasting, right? You come to fast and you do all this religious stuff, but you're doing all this religious stuff and you're ignoring the plight of the oppressed. Right, right. And God says, absolutely not. That is not real worship, right? And again, you go to James. <laughs> Let me tell you what true religion is. That your faith, that your relationship with me actually moves you out for for the widow, right? For the orphan, for the people who are who are being persecuted and oppressed. And again, I mean, I want to read these words just quickly because I think yeah. they're so powerful. Um, God says, this is right in the middle of Isaiah 58. Is that what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? And he's talking about, you know, you haven't eaten, you're, you're downtrodden, you know. Is this not the kind of fasting I have chosen? to loose the chains of injustice and to untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? Right? Uh, anyway, he, he goes on. That's a great, read that chapter. I mean, yeah. read that chapter. And then, and then flip ahead and read Matthew 25. Right, and read Jesus, and when he talks about what righteousness looks like, mm -hmm. that as people who are being transformed mm -hmm. into the very image of, like, in, to have the heart of Christ, they're being transformed by the Spirit, by God, to have the heart of Christ, that we would be righteous people. Mm -hmm. right? and, and none of us are there yet, but yeah. he says, this is what it looks like. This is what that will produce in you. So anyway, I'm, I'm getting preachy now. No, I love it. Yeah, I just, I did, that was right, as you were speaking. Yeah. Actually, that to me is just flying out of the out of the scriptures. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah, I think for me, something I would, I mean, I would like to know, and I don't want to, I don't want to derail what we've got flowing yeah. here. But it's, um, I, I really want to know because I, I am not a white woman. I am not a white man. I want to know what um, you two have been thinking and kind of processing. Mm -hmm over the last hmm. few weeks? What has it been like for you? Hmm. Well, go, Paul. No, yeah, you go, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> if, if, I go, if you go first, I'll cry. So I'm trying to decide if I want to cry or do I want to get my thoughts together. So go ahead. Thanks for asking. I think it's, a, it's been a progression, right? I think we've all been walking out this time, and it's been a few weeks now since that footage surfaced, right? Mm -hmm. George Floyd, and I know that this goes far beyond that's the video um, surfacing, but um, I, I think originally it was watching that and just being like, I mean, how can you not watch it and just be crushed? Yeah. Especially right. when you think of the, um, that is the very image of God. Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, so I think on a personal level, just like mm -hmm. carrying that, um, and then thinking through 
just listening and realizing that this is um, iconic of the multifaceted face yeah. of racism, mm-hmm. um, that it represents on a personal level tragedy and on, on a systemic level tragedy. Um, and so bearing that, um, lamenting that, my own my own role in that, my own indifference, my own apathy in that. I confess that to you guys. Mm. Um, and just wanting to listen in here, knowing that something's very broken. And then, again, like I said earlier, I've been struck with this idea that if we don't understand how things got broken, mm-hmm. how do we move forward and, and fix things, mm-hmm. right? So I'm taking that in and just receiving that and listening and learning to, to different people. Um, but at the same time, I've been con- convicted lately of like being willing to speak where I have sphere of influence, uh, like doing two things at once, walking and chewing gum, like being able to listen and learn, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. But also to speak because I think what I'm seeing and what I'm learning and realizing is that racism, the evil of racism, that one of the tools the enemy has used to keep it in place is people not being willing to speak. Mm-hmm. So white supremacy and racism sits as, as part of our systems in, a, in our country because people aren't willing to speak. And of all people who should speak, it should be me mm-hmm. as, as a brother in Christ. So um, being willing to do that, not getting distracted from what's in front of us, because I think that's another tool the enemy uses. Um, and I think on, a, on another personal level and as on a corporate level for my white brothers and sisters and I, I think it's, um, it's, it's pr- one, pr- never forgetting that we need to, to pray, the spiritual component in, in all of it. And praying like it, like what happened to George Floyd, and the racism felt by our brothers and sisters of color mm. impacted our own family to cry out to mm. God because in a powerful sense it did happen to our own family. Mm. Um, yeah, I'll just leave it there right now. Mm. I have a hope mm. for us going forward for mm. my white brothers and sisters, but I'll leave it right there. Mm. That's good. Thanks, Paul. I don't know how to add to that. I mean, no one expresses, I think, heart as, as Paul in some yes. ways. Um, I would say I think for me it was a wake-up call of how far of how I still have a lot to learn mm-hmm. you know I I sat in American history class looked at the Civil War and post-Civil War America when we were stationed in Montgomery Alabama and I sat in there as a white kid with mostly black kids and um, I've had a lot of African-American friends over the years and so I, I think for me I've had this sense of like I, I understand I I get it mm-hmm. And then when this happened, I remember talking to you on the phone, actually. Mm. And I think there was this moment for me where I thought, oh, wow, mm. this is deeper. This is harder. This is, this is more insidious than, mm. I, than I've let myself realize. Mm. And we've talked a lot even before this moment again. But I think mm. there was a weight, there's a weightiness that has settled in on me. Of, And then it comes back to that. And why have I not been brokenhearted before as much as I should have been? Um, and 
And then God saying, let's, let's get on the same page here. Let's get on the same page. And then I would say the second part of that is, is that one of the things, I don't know what the question was, what have we learned or what have we experienced? But I've realized, again, we talk about it all the time. And again, it's easy to talk about things, but then you experience them. They, they, they have weight to them. It's like knowing, knowing about God, knowing God. There's a weightiness to knowing God, to being in his presence and not just knowing about him. In this, in this moment, there's been a real significance mm. to have friends like you guys mm. that have been willing to talk and have been willing to, to enter in and answer the questions, even mm-hmm. though you're tired of answering questions and getting 40 phone calls from me and being like, Dave, why are you blowing my phone up? You know, um, And so, because it's forced me, in some ways it's like, man, if you know, I wasn't friends with Donnie, if Ashley was on staff, this would be a whole lot easier. But I have to go a little farther because of our relationship and that's the power of the, the yeah. diverse right. body of Christ is that we are, when we are together, and so I'm learning again that that's not just lip service when we talk about that our differences make us stronger. Our differences make us stronger because they make us more uncomfortable and they make things harder so that things can be better. And I'm learning that. I'm still learning that. And, um, and I've needed a lot of grace along the way. So it's beautiful. Could I, could I add one piece to like just in this experience and, and you mentioned it, but I, we went on a march last week mm-hmm. and saw um, a, a brother of color standing on a side street. And as we walked by, he was just standing there crying, mm-hmm. right? And just put his fist up and no words. And I think as we've listened, just listening to the deep pain, it's undeniable. And then knowing the heart of the father moves towards the oppressed, moves towards the wounded and the brokenhearted. Um, sitting with that and then interacting with my friends of color, my brothers and sisters of color, including you two. Um, I've heard it said before, we're no more like Christ than when we love someone when they don't deserve it. Mm. And I think sitting there thinking about the pain that my people have perpetrated and that have turned away from and to receive love from you two in some really profound ways, um, to receive grace and patience when I don't deserve it, just speaks Jesus to me. So I, I would also say part of this process is being ministered to myself. Well, and, and I just want to say, and how, how, we don't even have tissues. I mean, who, who thought this through? Who planned this whole we thing? Did not, we did not plan this well. But I, I just want to say, like, I am, and I don't want to cry because I have my eyeliner. I know you guys don't have this problem, but I'm, I'm not doing it right now. Um, but I just want to say thank you because I feel like in this moment, I feel completely supported, um, and I and I know that you guys stand in solidarity with me. So, thank you. I I know that our elders do. I know that you do. I know that you do. I know that Bethany does. I know that all of our staff does. And so I'm incredibly grateful to be a part of 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 this body and the body of Christ. So thank you. But I, I would just echo that, you know, um, I've mentioned to both of you before how um, encouraged 
that I am about this process in this point in time because of your willingness, your desire to enter in and engage when there are so many, not in the church and outside of the church that are not willing to. They just want to maintain the status quo. And you guys have gone, no, something has to change and we're going to be an impetus of, of that change, which is a testament to the spirit moving and guiding your life and your willingness to follow and obey. So thank you. I, I, you know, you know, one of the things that we're trying to be more as a church, as the body of Christ, is this people that says, hey, we're united in Jesus. Yeah. We're, we're yeah. broken, yeah. fallen sinners who've been saved and redeemed by our God, right? And then put together as a body. And so because of that, we can enter into hard places Amen. of conversation because we have this security, right? This security creates this safety. And, and safety, we've talked about that word safety. Mm -hmm. Safety doesn't mean easy. Right. <laughs> safety right. means we're committed to each other and we love one another even in the midst of hard stuff. Right. A lot of our people... I, I think a lot of people, it's a question I hear, mm -hmm. how do I, um, w there's a sense of, I don't want to say the wrong thing, I don't want to get it wrong, and so I just kind of stay quiet, or what does it look like to enter in and to walk into those places? What do you want to say specifically to, to white believers about stepping into this space, um, into this hard conversation? Well, I think I'm, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I mean, it's hard. It's, it's hard. It, it, takes a, um, it takes a level of courage. But I, I will say this, you know, we have, as believers particularly, we have the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit. Um, and, and we enter no situation alone because of that. We have wisdom. We have power. We have boldness. And so before you enter into any space or any conversation, if you are not praying and putting that situation before the Lord, it, it is not going to um, be as fruitful as, as you would hope. Mm -hmm. Only by God's grace is, is it going to bear much fruit, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and we know that God is faithful even in the midst of our failures, our, our lack of being prayerful, right? And so we're grateful for that. But but I would say be prayerful before you enter in. Don't enter in with with an agenda, you know, um, with this idea of like, yeah, I want to argue or I want to debate or I want to convince you. Um, but enter in to listen. I mean, it goes back to that listening piece of of listening to to learn, listening to stand with listening to ask good questions, mm -hmm. um, to, to actually see the person as a person and not just an end goal. Mm -hmm. Because at, at, the, at the end of the day, we want what we're doing to build relationships. Mm -hmm. You know, you want to have a relationship after you have a conversation, not mm -hmm. just the end of an agenda. Right. So if we're not having these conversations with the end goal in mind being reconciliation and relationships, I would just challenge you, why are you having the conversation yeah. to begin with? Right. Just stay stuck. 
because it's not it's it's not helpful it's not helpful if that is not your end goal as a believer to honor christ be ministers of reconciliation and to build an ongoing relationship right yeah yeah growth is not easy yeah it's not (laughs) justification sanctification and sanctification is a brutal tough process and so it's easy to say i want to be sanctified and i want to grow in christ be transformed but to actually do it yeah uh, sorry go ahead donnie yeah yeah I would just add to that um, the willingness to come to a place of acknowledgement of your privilege Mm -hmm. and to understand, first of all, that um, that privilege, it's not a negative thing. I mean, as followers of Christ, we are privileged to have a relationship with the almighty God of the universe. It is a privilege. We are privileged to live in one of the richest countries in the world, to have the freedoms that we have and the liberties that we have. That is a privilege. Um, But being able to acknowledge that privilege allows us to then begin to appropriate that privilege correctly in a way that allows it to be what it was meant to be, a benefit and a welfare for all those who are a part of the community Mm -hmm. that you are within. It's the way that the gospel works out. We acknowledge our sin. We confess our sin before God. He forgives us. We are in a privileged relationship. We then, by the power of the Holy Spirit, go out and engage in other relationships to help share that wealth of what we know is for the best for our brothers and sisters in humanity. It's the same with white privilege. It is not a negative thing. It can be if we remain ignorant about it and unwilling to acknowledge it and confess it. But once we do, then you have the opportunity to be the advocate that you are called to be by Christ for not just the black community, but every person that is being oppressed and marginalized in our sphere of influence. And I, I think about, you know, on the, on the subject of, of privilege, I, I think about the parable of, ta- of the talents. You know, I think mm. about the rich young ruler. I think about the things that God gives us and what happens when we're not willing to give them up or use them. Um, as, as God told the rich, the rich young ruler, you know, sell all that you own sell all that you own, give it to the poor, and come follow me. And he couldn't do it. And really what was, what was attached to that is that it wasn't just because he had riches, it was the privileges and the power that right. came along with, with the riches that he could mm-hmm. not lay down. Mm-hmm. And he walked away grieved. But in that moment, God was still gracious to him. Mm-hmm. Jesus was gracious. It mm-hmm. says that he loved yeah. him. He mm-hmm. loved him. Mm-hmm. So if that's something that, that you're wrestling with, I just want to invite you to feel free to wrestle with God about that. Ask mm-hmm. him questions. Lord, why am I not willing to lay this mm-hmm. down? And mm-hmm. more importantly, what is it that you're asking me to lay down 
so that I can come and follow you in a greater way and on behalf of your people. It's mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's good. I, I, yeah, I, again, I'm, we're thinking about, I'm thinking about all these scripture passages now <laughs> that are just coming to mind and the story of the Good Samaritan. Yeah. We've talked about this. Mm-hmm. Just the, the idea that, what's the, tell me what the greatest you know, law is, the law of the prophets. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Mm-hmm. And second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then there's this moment, right? Oh, but who is my neighbor? And it's it's almost like it's like hardwired yes. into our sin nature yes. to kind of want to go like, please tell me I don't have to love the people that are hard to love. Yeah. Please tell me I don't have to love my enemies. Please tell me I don't have to love people that are different than me. Please tell me I don't have to do that. And then what does Jesus do? He tells the parable of the Good Samaritan. And he says like, look, these religious guys walk on by, but this guy who was actually ethnically different than you, and a person who you had a very strained racial relationship with, the Samaritans and the Jews, he's the one who's the neighbor. That's what it means. And what he's saying is, yeah, you have to reach across. You can't, you can't just look for people like you who make you comfortable. Like to be, you be a neighbor to the other, right? People who have different skin tones, people who have different thought ideas people have different mm-hmm. political ideas right we're called to sort of reach out and be neighbors anyway i don't know where i'm going with that i just it felt <laughs> like pertinent and yeah and, and so. yeah, yeah and I, I think of that that's that story of the good samaritan and the priest and the levite i'm sure they had reasons like right they yeah, yeah. buttery mm-hmm. and they you know like doing all their things and rationalizations right, right. and and i think one of the things that we've tended to do in the white church is to do our theology from a distance mm-hmm. right like we read and we st- study and we think and i heard one of my good friends who's a pastor shared he's like we've done our theology like those two guys in the muppets up in the stands right mm-hmm. but we're not down like we talk about our theology and then there's this thing called our theopraxis like how does it how do we like actually interact like how is god's word driving us to live out what it teaches us and are we doing that and i think that's a moment for us right now like mm-hmm. are who are we going to be in that story so go mm-hmm. ashley oh i wasn't gonna say oh you weren't i was go. just agreeing yeah okay i, I would say maybe people are going to watch this conversation they're going to say okay i'm hearing i'm listening i'm what do i do now mm-hmm. right <laughs> faith without works is dead help me to what's the next step how would what should we, what should we, and maybe what should we not <laughs> do as mm-hmm. a predominantly white church of Christ followers? I, I don't like when people say we're a white church. We're, we're a predominantly white church, right? Um, we can talk about that too, and we can debate that. But what what does that what does it look like to move forward and to act in this moment? Mm-hmm. Is that a fair question? Yeah. Yeah. I'd say we're a maturing church. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think um, for one thing, I do not have all the answers. <laughs> so, and and I know you guys don't either. So that question is almost like. That's a big question, yeah. That is, that is a big question, and I think as we continue to move forward with this process, and and we are going to move forward as a church with this process after this cultural moment tends to quiet down um, as we move forward we will figure out greater things mm-hmm. to do and how to not just support but stand in solidarity with and really fight for this this mm-hmm. issue of changing systemic injustice mm-hmm. but I think right off right off the bat there is this um, 
there is this tendency that we just want to respond. Mm -hmm. We just want to respond. And I think before just responding and helping mm -hmm. and fixing the issue, which we know, and I don't want to be Debbie Downer, but we know it is not going to be fixed quickly. Right, right. You know, it is going to be a long process. It's going to require patience and long suffering as we battle towards the end goal here. And so what I would say is what's key to, to being able to, um, to be a part of the solution is to educate yourself on the issue. I mean, you have to educate yourself on the issue. You're just not going to wake up one morning and know all about the history and know all about your neighbor and, and know all about injustice and pain. You're going to have to really right. study and read and listen. And I, I really um, love what Paul said about just that listening piece that as you listen, as you learn, it may not just be sitting in your living room with the book open all the time. Time. Right. You may actually have to listen, learn, and practice at the same time of what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And and not being afraid to make mistakes because you will make mm -hmm. mistakes. Mm -hmm. You will make right. mistakes. I will make mistakes. But receiving God's grace and forgiveness in the midst of that mistake. Mm -hmm. So I would say... Uh, education is key being prayerful as we've already said is yeah. also key and knowing how to respond and also kind of just looking around the city as a whole and start looking into you know african-american organizations or businesses start looking into um what they're doing and how you can mm -hmm. support them um, with the resources that you have. And that doesn't mean that you micromanage the resources that that you give them. That's a whole nother conversation. But that means that you entrust them to do the work with your resources because there are organizations, like I think of, you know, Self-Enhancement Inc. I think of Hollow Mentors. I think of some of these, these organizations and these nonprofits that are working with black and brown youth um, they've been doing the work. They know how to do the work. Mm -hmm. And so continuing to support um, and stand in solidarity with, with businesses like that is is a great way. But you have to know about them in order to do that. Mm -hmm. So it does go back to <laughs> right. educating yourself and being more socially aware mm -hmm. and being more self-aware on your own blind spots. Right, right. that's good. Yeah. The only thing that I would add to that is uh, just understanding your gifting mm -hmm. and where God is calling you. Because, again, just like every church, every person is going to have a, a specific gifting that appropriates itself to a specific environment. Knowing how God has gifted you, knowing what he's calling you to, allows you to be able then to move by the Spirit to be a, a round peg in a round hole. Mm -hmm. you know, and, and I think a lot of times you hit it, we want to fix it right away. Well, no, it's not going to happen. Mm -hmm. But if we know how God has wired us, mm -hmm. what he's called us to, then we can then see opportunities that present themselves to allow us to then engage in a way that's going to have a better impact. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to press in just one more layer. Um, I hope this is okay. Uh, I think one of the things we want to be as a, as a body at Cedar Mill is a place where healing is happening, mm. right? A place where people can 
both both black and white, right? Because you've oh, talked about how racism doesn't just hurt black people. It actually prevents all of us from being who God wants us to be. And I've loved that. It's been a different way of thinking about it. Um, but something happened. It was, a, I think, the week before last. We... We were gathering as a church staff to pray. We were just hitting phase one, and we were going to gather social distance. I think it was the first time our staff was going to be together. It was just after things had gone down with George Floyd. Mm-hmm. And we were gathering to pray. And um, I talked to you that morning, and, I, and you were not in a good spot. Um, you were tired and and angry. Mm-hmm. And I remember talking to you on the phone. I remember saying, hey, you don't need to come today. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you know, please don't blow up my staff meeting. You know, I, and that was that was the subtext maybe a little bit, but also just like caring for you, just yeah. saying you need to have permission. And you said, I'm coming. And you came. And I, I, I think something happened. Mm-hmm. Something healing, something redemptive happened in that space. And and maybe there's just something there for us to all grab. So I don't know if you mm-hmm. if you feel like you could talk yeah. about that, what yeah. happened there. Maybe that there's something in there that we could offer to others too. Yeah, yeah, I'll I'll t- I'll touch on that. Um, I, I think for anybody who has been um, been hurt, there is this uh, there's this tension like, oh my gosh, I I've been hurt and I'm hurting in this moment, and that was part of the tension. You know, when you called me that morning, I think. I think I may have used the word dread, like I'm dreading going. I don't want to go. Like I, I don't want to go. And I, and part of my hesitation was, I'm I'm fearing like my wounds that are already starting to heal are going to be triggered again. Like I don't I don't want to be hurt unintentionally, not even right. intentionally, right. unintentionally. Um, by something that happens or even answer the questions or even have conversations that I'm not ready to have or like, right. you know, just break down into tears. I don't know what's going to happen. Right. I'm an emotional wreck. Um, so, but going in into that meeting and the reason why I went, one, I'm a part of this team. I'm a part of this church. And I felt very strongly that I needed to be there. Yeah, you said that. Um, I needed to be there. And so when I walked into there and experienced what you all had put together this very sweet time of lament, confession, and repentance. It was incredible. Um, And I think part of me, the reason why I was so motivated to go was part of me was thinking, maybe I might experience healing in this moment. (laughs) And so in that moment, I did. I did. There was a there was something in me that broke open. Um, I I was able to kind of forgive and and lay down things that I had been carrying. And and one of my prayer this entire time, and I think I've mentioned it to to both of you, is that um, I don't want to be bitter, and I don't want to carry around anger because that prevents relationship. Right. That prevents relationship, and I'm all about relationship I'm about reconciliation and so being in that moment healed me in a way that I was not even expect I mean I just was not expecting it to be what it was my expectations were very low like I was just like I don't know what this thank is. you can they do it am I gonna like it like is it gonna be weird um but it was it was amazing, and I've never experienced anything like that mm. in in church. 
um, with my staff, with my friends, with my brothers and sisters. And it was beautiful. And so I just want to, I want to encourage, um, anyone who's been hurt, particularly, um, my black and brown brothers and sisters. Like I, I know that there's hesitancy entering into these spaces mm -hmm. and there is a risk of being hurt. I mean, unintentionally and, in, and intentionally. And a lot of the times in the church, it is unintentionally, which is an issue, but that's neither here nor there. It's unintentionally, but we have to be willing to enter in to that because God has healing in those moments mm -hmm. for you. Mm -hmm. And if I would have let my bitterness and, and my anger prevent me from entering into that, I would have missed out on something. Mm. I really would have missed out on something. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I want to just say final things. Anything yeah. else that anyone else wants to bring yeah. up here? Let's. Yeah. Any final thoughts or comments or even scriptures? You don't have to have something massively profound right now. Just <laughs> before we kind of. Yeah. yeah, I was just thinking on you know what you guys just shared in that moment. I, I'm just mindful of in Galatians where Paul talks about bearing each other's burdens. Mm -hmm. When we bear each other's burdens as the body of Christ, the sins of the people, then healing and restoration takes place. Mm -hmm. Because we've talked about it often, you know, we are the body. One part of the body is hurting. Our whole body is hurting. Mm -hmm. um, but it's that being willing to enter into shoulder each other's burdens that allows that healing to take place and as a church as we move forward a looking for those opportunities to allow our members to do that mm -hmm. um, walk in and maybe not have all the answers because we're not but just being willing to walk in and go I'm with you. I know you're hurting. I, I know it sucks, but it hurts for me too. It hurts both sides. But as we sit in that together, the Spirit does what He does. And it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. Amen. I think um, to speak to my white brothers and sisters again just about my hope for us yeah. right now um, I'm my hope is that um, that that we actually really do rend our hearts mm -hmm. right as the prophet Joel talked about not just our social media accounts which is good <laughs> right right but does this continue do we truly stand in solidarity mm -hmm. right um, because there's repairing that we need to do and we need to own. Mm -hmm. And I think about the story um, of Zacchaeus mm -hmm. when Jesus meets with Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus, upon like being confronted by Jesus, turns and wants to make things right, mm -hmm. right? And by his actions, right? And I'm not saying jump over that lament, that mm -hmm. listening stage, but by his actions. Right. And Jesus didn't say, oh, no, no, Zacchaeus, it's okay, just as long as you feel bad in your heart, and you, know, you don't need to do social <laughs> yeah. justice or any of that. No, what he says is, today salvation has come to this house. Mm. And that's our words. Like, do, can, as, as 
white brothers and sisters, can we stand in solidarity, solidarity with our brothers and sisters of color right now, truly in solidarity, mm -hmm. not just have this be a moment where we tear our social media accounts like they used to tear their clothes in biblical times and mourn, but we're really there working to repair relationships that we've damaged. Mm -hmm. And I think the last piece for me um, that I'd want to say is again that we have a hope the world can't offer. Yes. We have the gospel that has reconciled us with the Holy God and reconciled us to one another. And because of that hope, the clock on racism is running out. Mm -hmm. And so we live in that, we move forward in that. That reminds me of Jesus saying, you know, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not stand. Like mm -hmm. racism, you won't stand. You may be winning right now. You may have won for a moment. You may have won with George Floyd, but you will not ultimately win, not with our God, right? Mm -hmm. That, that's, Amen. yeah. Amen. Sorry, go Ashley. <laughs> no, that's great. That, I mean, I, I've got nothing. That's the first time I've ever gotten a clap for you, I think, ever. And it might be the last. Yeah, and it might be the last. I feel like I should, no, that was great. I feel like I should that get out of this conversation come quick. Come on. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's. What? Thank you, guys. Thank you for being willing. These are deep, sticky, messy waters. Um, you know, there is some risk in having this conversation, especially on camera. And so, I thank you for being here. Thank you for being willing to enter in, um, for being authentic. Um, yeah. I just appreciate each one of you so much. So maybe, maybe the way to close this time would be. Donnie, you want to just pray? Would you just pray for us, yeah, our nation, for the church, and, and for Cedar Mill Bible Church? That'd be great. Daddy, you are so good. We are in awe of your love for us, ultimately displayed on the cross in the work of your son dying for our sins and raising again so that we could be in this place right now having these hard discussions lord seeking to glorify and honor you with and in our lives lord this is a difficult time for our nation but it is no surprise to you there is nothing that is happening that is that escapes your eyes. And you have called us to this point in time in history to be your beacon of light, to be your beacon of hope, mm -hmm. to be your people who rise up and are a city on a hill, mm -hmm. exposing the darkness, mm -hmm. being a bright light that makes darkness flee. Lord, I pray for our country. I pray for the scales to be removed from the eyes of those who are unable and unwilling to see at this moment. Lord, we know that this is a battle that has taken place in the heavens of principalities. And it's not a battle of flesh and blood, though that may seem to be the case. It is not. It is your adversary waging war against your holy kingdom. And we seek your face of the Lord. We seek your power. We seek Amen. your presence. We seek your spirit, Lord, to pour out into your people so that we will stand firm, Lord, against the attacks that come against you and your people. Lord, give us wisdom. 
Give us courage, Lord. May we stand firm knowing that we are girded, Lord, in the armor of your protection, your righteousness, your faithfulness, your sword. This is your battle, Lord. Go before us, Lord. And give us the courage, Lord, to walk the paths that need to be walked upon so that we can tread the serpent where he lays so that we can set captives free and that we can bring hope, Lord, in a world that would seek to allow this separation and death to continue. You have overcome death. We are victorious in you. And as the victor, Lord, just help us to see where our battle, what line, what front we should move in as a church so that we would rally together, Lord, and be the mighty army that you've called us to be. And we would claim the ground that you have claimed for your own. Lord, you know what lays before us. We only know what is now. So we lay ourselves before you. We seek your will. We seek your desire. We seek your heart. And we come together as your people to be your ambassadors, to be advocates for those who need advocacy, mm -hmm. and to be agents of healing and of hope in a time that um, speaks the antithesis. We lay ourselves before you trusting that as you were with your son, as he bore the burdens and the sins of mankind, that you are still that faithful and present God. And as you rose him up to glory on the third day, you will rise your people up to glory out of the ashes of this crucifixion as we lay the sins of racism upon the cross of Christ and reclaim humanity reclaim your body for your glory we ask this Lord to your glory by the power of your spirit in the precious and holy name of your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Thanks, you guys. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. We appreciate you. And um, let's continue to be the church in the world. God bless you, friends. Mm -hmm.